do, of course, would be to set up a charitable fund to pay for his church's restoration. His congregation would flock there, and he would deliver lovely sermons about good Samaritans and loaves and fishes to his heart's content. The chain in the toilet doesn't work unless you yank it. He was brought down to earth by this bald statement from Mrs. Harper, who was standing in the doorway with her hands on her ample hips. Even this tragedy couldn't daunt the Reverend on his first day. Never mind, Mrs. Harper. Just call a plumber, please. A plumber? Do you know how much they charge? Probably a lot, he hazarded. You can say that again. I'll ask my friend Ada to ask her hubby to come and have a look at it, if you like. Does he know anything about plumbing, Mrs. Harper? Blowed if I know. I see. Well, whatever you think's best. Bernard was growing tired of the intricacies of chain-pulling and toilet-flushing, and wanted to be left in peace. Mrs. Harper retired with a sniff while he continued to speculate on what he could do to make the lives of his parishioners a little better. The war had been over for just under three years, and rationing was still very much in evidence. But bananas and oranges had now started to appear in the shops, and the queues that used to accompany such events were no longer, well, long. Life was getting back to normal, even though it was still a trial to many. But Bernard was a happy soul, and life for him was a new challenge each day. He was a slightly built young man, with a mass of brown curly hair, friendly brown eyes, and an open, fresh face. He had left Leeds, where he had attended the university there, with high hopes for a future full of good works. He wasn't bringing with him a wife, however, the one blot on his horizon, if truth be told. Mrs. Harper landed on, correction, given to, him by the archdeacon, was in no way a substitute, but better than nothing, he supposed. Her abrupt manner had, at first, alarmed him. She spoke to him as if he was a naughty child who had just broken her best china, but he soon began to see through her rough exterior. There was a heart of gold beating underneath all that fat, at least that is what he told himself. He was sad for a moment as he thought of Sophie. Where had she gone, he wondered. One minute they were planning to marry, the next she had disappeared out of his life, apparently forever. She had left him a note, explaining why, except it was no explanation at all to him. He had tried to find her, but when he visited her parents he was told she wasn't living with them any more. Where she had gone they obviously knew, but didn't deem it necessary to tell him. It was patently clear to Bernard that they disapproved of him. He could understand why. They were God-fearing people, and the thought of their darling daughter cohabiting with a man, even one as harmless as Bernard Paltiquet, would have been anathema to them. They were strictly chapel, and abided by a strict moral code. If Sophie had strayed from the path, they would no doubt forgive her, but not the fly-by-night she had taken up with. They would probably have liked to horsewhip him. He had met her at university, and it was love at first sight, almost, anyway. They moved into a house off campus with two other couples, and had a room to themselves. 
He was surprised that her parents seemed to know about their living arrangements, because Sophie had often told him that her parents would kill her if they knew she was living in sin, as they would no doubt have put it. Anyway, he was here in London now, and he had Mrs. Harper to do for him. He feared that she was the complaining type, witness the non-flushing Lou, but even this didn't dampen his spirits for very long. He had it on good authority that she was a homely body, and liked nothing better than to pamper her vicars, of which he was the third. What she had done with the other two had not been divulged to him. Never mind. It was spring, and a new beginning for every living thing, including the Reverend Bernard Paltiquet. Another newcomer to Wandsworth that bright April was young Dr. Robert McTavish. He presided over his surgery with the same pride being exerted a few streets away by Bernard Paltiquet. A Scot